Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Joining us as he does most weeks, sometimes give him a week off. It is Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington. We are talking all things Nationals, trade deadline, who's going, who's staying. That's all anybody wants to talk about these days. And also an injury update as well. That's coming up next. You are Locked On Nationals. Your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast, joined by Matt Wyrick, NBC Sports Washington. Uh, Thank you all for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day, Matt. We had some breaking injury news. What happened? Who was injured? Tell us. Nobody's injured, seriously. Uh, <laughs> as I was walking over to sit down with Josh, banged my ankle into a table. We're okay. I think we'll officially list it as day-to-day, but uh, uh, no serious injuries to report as of now. This is the first, I think, Locked On Nationals inflicted injury that we've had. Uh, hopefully, it's one of the last. I guess it'll probably happen again as long as the show goes along. Um but Matt, you know, this, I was actually talking, talking to somebody else earlier today and like, just kind of, I feel like I need a break because the all-star break wasn't really a break because all it was was just talking about Juan Soto. Um, as somebody who is in the print side of things, did you feel that too? Because it felt like that's all anybody wanted to talk about. Yeah, I definitely feel oh, like oh there's a, a little bit of Juan Soto trade talk fatigue going on over here. Just, uh, it's been pretty much all anyone's been asking about any radio stations calling in, you know, it's, it's about Soto. So uh, every, every other story, it seems like I'm writing about Soto. So as we just trade deadline here, it's, he's at the top of people's minds and at the top of the nationals mind, because this situation here is going to dictate the next three years and, and beyond of, of the team's future. So a monumental decision on their hands for sure. Yeah. And it's, so I, I know you're familiar with the term SEO, right? Um, it is a term that we use in the biz it really is just kind of like talking about like words that come up a lot and how to make basically your content as marketable as possible. And, you know, uh, I also work on the college side. And so conference realignment for my lockdown big 12 podcast does awesome numbers. And a lot of times you're just finding like 27 different ways to maybe say the same thing or to say something that's relatively the same thing. But like, all we can say right now is we're kind of sitting here waiting. I mean, this is, you know, you see a lot of reports out there and stuff. And Matt, I guess the one the one problem I have is like, and I've, I think you've not done this before, but like the sh- there's no shams or woge for baseball. Like a lot of it's up to local reporting. I mean, Nationals fans last year, you know, and Padres fans thought that Max Scherzer was going to be a Padre. And that came from one of the best in the business, uh, Ken Rosenthal over the athletics. So it's almost like, I have a real hesitance to kind of believe anything before it's, you know, the official announcement or multiple people are reporting it. But, um, you know, it's I mean, what is I guess what is the latest that you're hearing uh, and kind of where are you with this entire situation? Yeah, honestly, the answer changes for every person you ask and people I've talked to within the industry. It's kind of a 50 50 choice here of, of whether or not they end up trading him or, or sticking with him. Now, there's so many layers to this situation with the impending sale looming over this entire situation 
and the learners trying to decide whether Soto on the team is worth more than Soto not and what this means for their legacy and all sorts of other things. But uh, I would say right now that the Nationals are open to any and all offers. Uh, they are offers of astronomical value, some of historic that we have never seen uh, in the history of this sport. Uh, and they're being very patient with it. They're, they're not looking to press to make a move with Soto, at least at this point. Uh, and it seems like even the most lofty uh, of guesses at this point might not even hit the mark with how high the bidding could go, how many interested teams there are. There are a lot of teams that could use Juan Soto in the middle of the lineup. Heck, I would say all 30 could use Juan Soto in the middle of the lineup, <laughs> the Nationals included. So that's what just makes the situation so unique. A player of Soto's age, caliber, and contract situation just does not hit the trade market. But that's exactly what we're looking at right now. So, you know, uh, I get, are, are you 50 50? Because that, that's where I've, I, I don't talk to nearly as many people who are connected as, as you do. I'm 50 50 right now. Where are you on this deadline, you know, him getting traded? I would say 50-50 at this point. I was, maybe if you had asked me last week, I would have said more like 30%, 20, 20 maybe 20, 30. Uh, but certainly as, as we have kind of progressed here and the rumors have continued to swirl, uh, it seems like this isn't just, you know, the Nationals throwing it out there to, you know, convince future uh, potential buyers that Soto is worth a lot of money. I think any, any and all potential buyers know how much Soto is worth. Uh, it's a, just a question of, are they going to keep him now or are they going to wait and see what the new owners do this offseason do you think that the trade deadline this the trade deadline itself would put pressure on a team to give the nats an amazing offer or do you think time to consider what Juan soto could do for a franchise i.e a team thinks about it and realizes you know let's just say this offseason uh, there's new ownership. The Nats can't get a deal done, whoever it is. He's up for sale. Teams really think about it, put their best foot forward. Like, what, do you think that both those situations net this, a similar package? Do you think maybe waiting till the offseason nets a better package? Because I'm, I'm 50-50 on whether or not he gets traded, but I, do, I still think waiting for the offseason is the right move. Like, you know, some teams are putting together packages right now, but I mean, I think if you give a team four, five, six months, whatever it is, and be like, you know what? Let's go for it. Let's go for the entire thing. You know, let's let, let's just let's let's make sure we're the team that gets one soda. We're gonna make them the offer they cannot refuse, the Godfather offer, the one they can't refuse. Do you think that uh, the Godfather offer would more likely happen with time or at this deadline? I think there's two sides to it. You know, with this being the trade deadline and him getting. Uh, whatever team gets Soto getting three pennant races out of him as opposed to two appear to be traded this offseason, that is valuable. Uh, so certainly I would expect the maximum possible offer the Nationals get right now uh, to be better than the maximum possible offer they could get in the offseason. So, so you think a team might might trade for him and maybe not re-sign him? Perhaps, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like there are teams such as like the Guardians and Rays that are interested in Soto. I mean, Yes, obviously, if you get Soto, you want to extend him. You want him to keep him uh, in whatever team you are long term. But you know now that the price is going to be astronomical. And three pennant races, it's not like acquiring a rental. You are going to get him for a substantial amount of time where he can join up with whatever core you have and compete for multiple championships, whether that be now or this offseason. I think that if they were to wait to the offseason, teams 
are a little bit more open to roster reconstruction and maybe they'd be more willing to move players at the major league level than they are right now. But you could also argue that teams at the deadline are more willing to be a bit hasty in their moves because they know they've already gotten about 60% of the way to a playoff berth. Why not push us over the edge here? A guy like AJ Preller, the GM of the Padres, who's known for pulling off big moves, seems exactly like the kind of guy who would convince himself to just go absolutely bonkers and all in on an offer for Soto. Now, whether or not a team like the Padres, especially with Mackenzie Gore getting hurt yesterday and landing on the 15-day right. IL today, uh, being able to make a competitive offer, that remains to be seen. But certainly, they are not the only team that is willing to be aggressive. Yeah, it's there's so many different theories. I mean, I mean, I I had never thought of a team I, this morning. I, I was I was having a conversation striking off teams that wouldn't resign it. But I mean, you might be right. You know, could, could Juan Soto be on three different teams here in the next stretch? I mean. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but you know, I feel like with what you're going to give up, you got to resign him. You have to, right? It's like I get, I get your point, but like, man, you're going to be. I mean, because here's the thing: the Nets aren't going to trade him. Like the Nets trade him, they're trading him. Like, like you know, you have the right to get this player for the next 15 years. Like that's the package they want back, right? That's mm-hmm. how they're treating it. They're not like, well, you know, you might only get him for two and a half years, so we're going to give you, you know that kind of package. Like, no, this is the decade package that you have to give up. So it's like hard. I mean, I I just, I guess for me, it's just hard to fathom a team trading for him and not, and and, and not re-signing him. Well, as we're seeing, it's not so easy to re-sign Juan Soto. He has a high asking (laughs) price. Scott Boris has pointed to Max Scherzer's contract with an AAV of 43.3 million as relevant in the Juan Soto negotiations. Yeah. I mean, can we, can we, can we do this? Can we do this now? Can we we just, all right. So like, so I, I saw John Hammond's reporting about this, and I, I love Mike Rizzo's response where he was like, do you want the Max Scherzer offer? Because we'll give you that. I love that. Res- like that That's like the perfect response, in my opinion, to that. Because, Max, think about this. Uh, Matt, think about this. Like, okay, th- that's 600. If you're, if you're going to put that at the, at the 14-year mark, which is what being floated around, right, at 43 million, I believe the math I, I did the other day was 605 million dollars let me do it one more time it's uh, 14 times uh what is it 43 602 million dollars nobody's giving a player that right nobody is gonna do that no i mean i i think it's a bit lofty to tease that number out there you know Alex Rodriguez is the kind of the comp that is getting brought up in this situation with a player that young hitting free agency. And he did set records for highest total guarantee and highest average annual value with that contract. So it appears that that's what Boris is intent on doing. And I mean, hey, if you're trying to create leverage, you know, you you start at the top and you you work your way down. You know, he's not going to bring up Garrett Cole's contract of 36 million, which is the highest AAV for any 10 plus year deal. Uh, and then say, you know, we're trying to beat that, that sets a floor. You know, he's just trying to set a ceiling, uh, and then maybe it can come down from there, which, you know, if I'm the Nationals, I think that $36 million is a number that, you know, if you really, if you are the Nationals and you really want to convince fans that you are making every effort uh, to sign Soto, the deal I would offer him would be 12 years, $456 million. That would be $38 million AAV. It would pass Mike Trout's record for highest total guarantee, and it would pass Cole's record for the highest AAV of any 10 plus year deal. I think that is the kind of contract where if Soto were to walk away, there's nothing the nationals could have done at that point. Because once you start, if you talk about a player 
$44 million a year for a decade. I mean, that is a, that is a way to hamstring your team uh, and, and not allow you to have any financial flexibility. That $6 million a year is the difference between, you know, adding a couple of role players or, you know, a potential one-year deal for a bat uh, to, to add into your lineup to, to kind of supplant your core. I mean, that that every bit counts when you start getting up that high in the Nationals. You know, while not a bottom market team, they are a team that can spend. And I think that they can, would have the wherewithal uh, to stomach a 38 million AAV. But I think once you start getting in the 40s, that gets a bit ludicrous. All right. So so my mine was this. I, you know, I started this is kind of my starting one is 10 for 400. I think that's kind of where I'm at. It's a decade long. It's 40 million a year. Now, here's what I don't get. Like, I get the the desire to set precedent is fantastic. But at some point, at some point, we have to be realistic about this. If I mean, that's a decade long, right? And at this point, that would push him to what, 34? So actually, you could probably, you know, if he's still a decent player, you know, he'll still get another contract right after that. Like, that's $400 million in the course of a decade. I'd even extend it to maybe 11 for 440. And hell, I'd even go as far as to say, you know, I'll push the envelope a little bit more than you, 12 for 480. I actually always thought it would end up between... 450 and, and 500 was actually my thought. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a bit further than you, you were pressing, but like, I, I think, I think if it's, you know, I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of arguments, a lot of credence, the argument like that, that's probably not worth it right now as a, as a business decision, I actually think it, it might be worth it. Right. You know, like for, for what they, the player is, what, for what Juan Soto will be on the field, and in terms of marketing, jerseys, all that stuff, the next decade, I mean, you know, he, he'll probably end up being maybe not worth that much, but kind of in the ballpark, right? But I, I, I think 10 for 400 is kind of a good baseline and maybe going by that, you know, principle, hey, 11 for 440. Uh, do you see the Nats going over 500 million? I don't see that. I, I don't see it. I don't think so. And, you know, we we're tossing out a lot of numbers here, but I yeah. think the, you know, the offer that was reported 15 years, 440 million. You know, I think that was kind of the nationals trying to meet in the middle because they have a history of deferring money and, you know, they would love to kick some of that money down the road as they tried to do with Bryce Harper, who ultimately walked uh, and said, signed a record signing contract himself. Uh, you know, they would have loved to do that, but it was clear that Soto wasn't going to accept any deferred money. So they say, OK, we just need to kick the AAV down a little bit uh, and make this substantial offer that would be you know, record setting. Uh, it just isn't that AAV you're looking for. And ultimately, you know, Soto wants his cake and to eat it, too. So, you know, he's earned that right uh, as a superstar young player. And when he hits free agency or if he hits free agency, he certainly will command more uh, than what the Nationals offered him. This was not a market rate offer, even despite the fact that it's record setting, it was not a market rate offer. It's, you know, it makes me just think about like, I wish baseball were more like basketball because it just, it, the basketball, you know, I think the one thing basketball does really well is it pays guys um, at, at like their prime physical ages. Right. I mean, I know baseball, there's a lot of proving that has to happen. And you might say, well, you can't pay 18 year olds in basketball the same way you pay in baseball. But I mean, we give them darn near $10 million signing bonuses, right? I mean, look at Paulo ben Bancaro's. You know, I actually saw an article the other day that said Paulo Bancaro might be the first, potentially, could be the first player to make $1 billion from just playing in his NBA career. And you think about that, and it's like, why, man, why can't we do something like that with, you know, with baseball? At least, like, so you have multiple deals, you know, because 
this this is why it sucks. It's like, man, we're talking about a deal that would be a decade and a half. I mean, think about your life. You know, actually, right now, uh, uh, Matt, how old are you? I hope you don't mind me asking. Twenty five. Twenty five. I am also twenty five years old. So, like, that is, you know, <laughs> which is like crazy. It's a crazy thing. Like this contract would span like sixty percent of our current lives. Like that. Like that's what it would be. Like. If, you know, if, if you just took the contract, like we'd be 10 years old if this contract started, you know, it's whatever it is, however you want to do the math. Like, it's, sports contracts should not be that way. I remember, didn't Ilya Kovalchuk sign one that was like 16 years with the devil? And it, it was a complete, it was complete, you know what show? Like, this, this, we should not be signing deals this long because it's never a, it's never a sound business thing. I just don't think it makes much sense overall to have contracts this long and i kind of think the stars come like i think you should make the money it's fine but like why couldn't they do it on a pay scale that increases over time four or five years at a time if that makes sense my idea uh that i actually came up with back in the the kyler murray situation when the a's had drafted him but then he went away to to go to the nfl and who could have blamed him because he got paid immediately and didn't have to ride buses and go through minor leagues all that kind of stuff but my idea was why why aren't contracts we need to do away with service time how about we just have contracts be for a set number of years when you sign out of high school or out of college? If you sign out of high school, it's an eight-year deal. That makes that means that you're 18 years old and you're going to be a free agent at 26, which is considered to be the middle of your prime or early uh, beginning of your prime. And if you're in college, then make it, I don't know, seven years. So that way you're signing at, you're, you're becoming a free agent at 28 years old, which is still in the middle of your prime, but right. it will then convince all of these top young stars coming out of high school that it's much better to sign with the team out of high school as opposed to go to college, you know, cause that should be MLB's goal is to get the best young talent into the league as quickly as possible. So that I, you know, that's something where you would then be able to capitalize on your value a lot more. And we aren't seeing guys hitting free agency at 30, 31 years old. I mean, look at Jacob deGrom who had such a slow start to his career and then just wasn't able to, you know, he still had a nice contract. He's, he's earned his money for sure, but you know, it's nothing right. of the, the air of, of, you know, Steven Strasburg or Max Scherzer or David Price or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this stuff comes down to timing, right? Like it's, it's like, it, you know, it shouldn't be that way. It should, it should come down to ability, not, not when you become a free agent, you know, it's about, it's about if and how, and that, that happens. So that, that's the thing I think all of this exposes. And once again, it's like, I mean, you know, you and I have already said it, we're 50, 50 on the Soto thing. Uh, all right. Quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by blue Nile.com. You guys have blue Nile.com today. When you guys do, you can find that forever peace. Baker Moment Sparkle Jewelry from Blue Nile. And going on now, it's a Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured. It ships free and arrives in a discreet packaging that will not give away what's inside. It's very key. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Um uh, I talked about Josh Bell with, with the Locked On Astros folks earlier. Um, I said ninety-five percent he's going to get traded. It's probably be higher. I left the five percent just to be like, hey, anything can happen. Should I leave it at one? Should I go ninety-nine-one now, Matt? Like, what? What? What do you think? What's your percentage? Yeah, I would say ninety-nine-one at this point. No, are you, I mean, what about ninety-nine point nine and then points? Are, are you? Would you I'm, I'm hesitant to go hundred, but I'll put oh. any. I'll go just below it. Any variation uh, of 99.9, <laughs> underneath, because like you said, anything can happen. Right. Uh, doc, as Doctor Strange said. Uh, yeah. So you know, we'll uh, uh, heading into this this 
uh, deadline here. I think it's honestly likely that he's traded before the deadline. It seems like uh, the consensus seems to be the Nationals are trying to get a Bell deal done before shifting gears and focusing on Soto's future. Uh, and we have seen Mike Rizzo act quickly before. Brad Hand was traded a couple of days out from the trade deadline last year. Uh, he acquired Kelvin Herrera from the Chicago White Sox. I can't even remember what year that was. I believe it was 2018, uh, way back when. But that was about two months before the deadline. Sean Doolittle, Ryan Madsen, a month before the deadline. So we have seen Mike Rizzo uh, work quickly and work a little bit ahead of the deadline there. Uh, and I, I think that's likely for Bell. I think that it's also likely we, we see Nelson Cruz and a couple of relievers, Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Finnegan, uh, and Steve Ciszek, at least, at least two of them probably. Well, probably Matt, have you been listening to Locked On Nationals? Because I, I've, I've been saying this. I think two of those three. I think, I think they. I didn't one. catch that one. I didn't. I, catch th- that I, one. I, well, I've been saying it for the last like four or five. So I just want, I just want to know, folks. I'm not blowing smoke. The expert, the expert agrees. So I, I think it's likely like two, two of the, two of the three get traded. I'd kind of like to see them keep Kyle Finnegan just because the amount of team control that he's got. And like once again, you and I, have, you have, you and I have mentioned this. It's one less thing to worry about because they have so much to worry about. And also, like, this is completely selfish, but having at least one goal, good bullpen arm sometimes can limit the length of games. So we appreciate that. You know, Kyle Finnegan normally is pretty good and likes to attack the zone. So we'd like Kyle Finnegan to remain. But, yeah, I mean, I think Carl Edwards, I think he's gone, and I think Steve Steve Ciszek is gone. I think those two are the most likely two. Which, do, you have a, do you disagree about which two are most likely? Or, you know, do you think it's uh, those two? I think that Edwards Jr. is probably more likely than Finnegan to go. Um, mm-hmm. He does have an extra year of control. So if you either keep Finnegan or Edwards Jr., one of them will be back at least for next season. As you and that's because Finnegan of the longer. deal that Carl Edwards signed. It was the minor. It was a minor league deal. No, it was actually because he went to Rochester to begin the year, and he was brought up one day too late uh, for service time. So because of his service time requirements, yeah, he. Uh, which he, I, I talked to him about that, and he confirmed that that was the case, and said, you know, I don't blame the Nationals at all. They gave me, they were the only team to make an offer to me. You know, they they believed in this me. Guy. You know, whatever Love they want me to do, you know, I want to do it, whether that be as a bullpen arm or whether that be as a trade ship. I'm there. Uh, I did guy. write a story about that, so if you want to, yeah, no, up, I remember reading that. I've, I've mentioned close. that a bunch. Yeah, what a guy. I mean, like that's love that. I mean, he's Love like that. I so so willing for everything. Steve Ciszek is a veteran. I, I think. They kind of signed him with the, with the intent, right? It's yeah, probably, and yeah. I, I will say that I think it's also likely that one of these guys gets attached to Josh Bell in a trade. Um, and yes. Trade him together. So I've been saying this too, because Matt, it makes too much sense. It's like, look, man, you're walking. You might you might be walking into a Walmart. All right, you can buy you can buy a lot of stuff at a Walmart. Don't you know? Don't have to go to Sam's Club too. Like, get all your shopping done in one place, right? There's no reason to go more than one place. And and here's the thing. Everybody needs a reliever. Now the Astros mm-hmm. folks want a left-hander and the Nats don't really have those, but I mean, Carl Edwards, you know, you can't go wrong with, I think Carl Edwards to me has been awesome this year. Every time, every single time he has a bad outing, he responds with like seven straight good outings. So I think he's the best one they have right now. I'm not sure uh, what your feelings are. And he's just got that veteran experience too. You know, he's yeah. been around he won a while. World Series. Yep. And he, and he throws hard, which is always something you like to see. His walk rate's a little high this year. Uh, but you know, his velocity, you know, despite the injury he's had over the last few years, still at the exact same place it's been, uh, you know, he, he also is just striking out guys at a solid rate. So I think overall, you know, he presents a great option for extending teams and might be enough if paired with Josh Bell to, since he does have two years of control to then land the Nationals a top 100 prospect, which has been tough in recent Ooh. seasons, been tough to get a top 100 player. 
uh, for a rental. But I think if you get one of these guys thrown in there, uh, I think it might be possible. Yeah, I, I was telling the Astros folks they, they might they might give it a give it a world resign a Josh Bell. I know they they're not loving the illegal curly L experience right now, so it might be worth it trying to get you know Josh Bell ba- under contract. All right, let's go a little off menu. What what do you got for guys that hey we might not see it coming. But you could see them get it tra- getting traded, right? Because we're hearing. So- I mean, I think the big the the big three we're hearing a lot about. Well, actually, not even let's put Soto aside here. I mean, I think we're hearing Cruz, Bell, and then one of, one of the relievers, right? Let's go off menu. What else? What else you think? Who else could you see getting uh, move? Cesar Hernandez, veteran. Yadier Hernandez as a kind of veteran, but not really a veteran. Thirty four with a lot of team control, and we saw him at the opposite of field, uh, or I think it was opposite field home run last night. Um, you know, like who do you, who do you think's kind of a little off the radar type piece that you could see the Nats moving? Yeah, I think that Cesar Hernandez, if the Nationals can get any takers, uh, that he would certainly be out the door as on an expiring contract. Uh, Yadiel Hernandez makes sense uh, as somebody whose trade value will likely diminish uh, as the years go on, given that he's 34 years old. Uh, he does have lots of team control, but especially if the Nationals trade Soto, they're not going to have any kind of need for Yadiel Hernandez in the years to come. Uh, and also, I think they'd like to get uh, that left field spot open up uh, maybe for a bit more Lane Thomas time or even maybe to see a guy like Donovan Casey or Josh Palacios, uh, an acquisition they made this year who's been raking down in AAA uh, as somebody that we might see in the major league level by the end of this year. So certainly uh, I think Hernandez is someone that they would entertain trade offers for, as is Eric Fetty. Uh, Fetty is an interesting case uh, being that he does have a few years of control, but he's out of minor league options. So the Nationals cannot send him down. Uh, if they do have anybody that they want to bring up right now, their starting rotation is a bit full. They could move Paolo Espino to the bullpen, of course. Uh, but if they want to bring up guys like Cade Cavalli or Cold Henry towards the end of the season, they may need a roster spot opener too. Uh, trading Eric Fetty could do that. Uh, whether or not they get much interest in him remains to be seen. But I, I think he makes sense as a guy who could be a number five starter, somebody you shift to the bullpen come playoff time, just you know, somebody to eat innings for you down the stretch. Uh, and maybe just give you, you know, five innings of three run ball. I think you would take that from Eric Fetty every day of the week. Uh, so that's, that's a couple of names to keep an eye on there as well as Victor Robles. You know, we've been seeing Robles being in the starting lineup a lot recently. Uh, they're trying him out in that leadoff spot. Again, he's getting yet another chance uh, to be the nationals leadoff man. Uh, you know, hasn't right, yeah. really been hitting at all. Uh, save for that one home run off of Madison Bumgarner. Uh, he really has not done much with the bat, but certainly still provides some value with the glove. And maybe another team thinks that they can fix him and, and turn him into the player he was supposed to be when he was a five-tool prospect. Can, can we do the – so let's, let's talk about the clown nose thing real fast. So, like, I thought Baumgartner's comments were dumb. I, I thought I, – and I, I enjoyed the clown nose thing. I I will say, like, your team is 30 games under 500. you You've sucked all year, and you're down 7-2. to two. So I'm I'm not sure I'm like 110% on with the admiring the home run. Um, although everything that came after it was relatively entertaining. Where are you on that? You know, I think that like, as, as Robles said, if you don't want a guy celebrating a home run off of you, don't give up the home run. You know, like <laughs> at the end of the day, yes, it, it, it wasn't a great I look. I get it, but be, like, like you're down seven to two. I mean, guys, but at the same time, like in, in this national season, man, you got to take your wins or you can get them. And for Robles, <laughs> this was one of those situations where I guess. he just wanted to take an extra second. And, you know, I, 
it, it adds to the highlights. It makes the, the, the footage more marketable. You know, why not? You know, at, at the end of the day, was it really going to affect Bumgarner if he takes two extra seconds trotting around the, the diamond? No. Um, but, you know, as he said, he's the grumpy old man uh, enforcing the uh, unwritten rules here. And that's just he's never going to change. That's, that's that's Madison Bumgarner for you. Yeah. But like, are, are you going to dunk on somebody and like get in their face if your team's down 25? Because no, like that, is, that's kind of. But is he getting in the guy's face? I mean. Oh yeah, but but like that's kind of the that's but like he's I mean he's not he pointing is, at him and saying like uh, yeah, but yeah I mean, get is, that bitch out of you here. Know, he is perceived as one of the faster players in the team. But you'll and see he's in really, a blowout, really you'll see a, a guy hit a three and he'll still do the you know three fingers in the forehead. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I, as I, long I, as he's I not think, turning around and doing it to the bench or stomping over a guy on the ground. It's not the celebration. I I think it's a bit of the I think it's the self awareness part of it. For me that's what it is because it's like and i once again I, i'm fine with celebrating i'm actually I, i'm pimping home runs do whatever you want swing 3-0 all that kind of stuff like up up a million but like when you're down and you and your team really sucks and like you really you know you really have not been very good like i get why you're admiring it but there is a part of me it's like dude like we like it's seven to two you know what i mean so I don't know. It's it's you. it's a difference in philosophies on that. It's it's fine. I'm not anti-fun. I'm not, I promise. I'm not anti-fun. No. All I'm right. just uh, in the position of I wouldn't get mad at anyone for doing it. It's no, like, yeah, I'm yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not agreeing. I'm not saying it's a great look. I just you know what's there to get angry about. Right. 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 Yeah. I thought I thought Madison Miller was being ridiculous. Also, I appreciate a baseball reference making his primary photo. I'm not sure if yep. it still is anymore. It is. It just, and if you I'm, go to the Nationals team page, did you know that Victor Robles is third on the team in WAR? That is a hilarious stat to me. No way. Yep. And so his picture is right there. It goes Soto, Bell, Clown, Face, Robles is the three <laughs> photos you first see when you go to the Nationals page. Pretty. Once, that uh, is more of an indictment of the Nats than it is a positive for Victor Robles this year, I believe. Uh, yep. All right, Matt, are you working on anything in particular right now? Are you, or are they just have you sitting there at the desk saying, whenever the stuff comes across the wire, get get typing. Oh, we are doing all the preparations uh, for the uh, trade deadline here. So I've got a bunch of stories in the queue coming out this week, looking ahead uh, at potential trade chips at players who may be playing their last few games in a Nationals uniform. Uh, and then, of course, I'll be at Nationals Park uh, pretty much all week next week, uh, you know, getting reactions, talking to Mike Rizzo, Dave Martinez, all that kind of stuff. So definitely go over to NBCSportsWashington.com and check out all of my work over there. Do you have like several different variations of Seto trade story written? I I will say I had a like a like a month ago I wrote a Juan Soto extension pre-write. That one has been oh no <laughs> thoroughly <laughs> you're gonna hit the sad. trash can icon on that one or yep. uh, or, or who knows? I might be saying this now, and you and I might be laughing this summer when when it's like. And before anyone says I jinxed it, I mean this is just you know par for the course for the industry. We do these kinds of things. Yeah, so, this is this. you know I've got I've got plenty of trash stories over the years that never made it to the site for for storylines that never happened. So you guys, for all we know, Matt make. might have like the Ryan Zerman unretires piece like written yep. like you. It's just sitting there, so that's <laughs> gonna be there. All right, Matt, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much, man. Absolutely, anytime, Josh.